0: Persistence Culture presents Pep Talk with Big Pep. What's going on, everybody? This is Big Pep, and before we start this episode, I just wanted to introduce our um, our guest and some make some some great announcements. So, first off, we want to thank everybody who's been tuning in. It's been a great ride, and we just keep getting better and better. Um, I hope you guys also enjoyed the last podcast where Juan and me we got to just let you guys know what we've been doing. How you know sometimes life's happen- happens, and you know we've been busy, but. It's all just, you know, part of the part of the ride. You know, he's been he's been working on his new merch line. Obviously, I, I've been doing a lot of stuff with, you know, the security world, but we were able to get a couple episodes in and this episode is is going to be a, amazing and motivational because we got to sit down and talk to David Figgs. He is a 24 year old business owner, owns one of the one of the most popular gyms here in Southern California called the House of Gaines. He talks about his his idea, his struggles, his motivation. I mean, this kid had the idea at 19, while he had a full-ride scholarship to Cal State Channel Islands to pursue this business. And while having a full ride, he actually decided to not keep going to school and decided to actually take out a damn near half a million dollar loan and open up a gym and his story is incredible his vision is incredible you know he talks about you know the support of his uh, of his parents support of his wife and most importantly what I love the most is he gives a lot of um gives a lot of pointers to the young people and he also shares a lot of gratitude more importantly Having a gym, he has a lot of members, and the credit and the love that he gives to his members at the gym is amazing. So, without further ado, thank you guys for uh, tuning in, and as always, tell a friend about Pep Talk. Thank you to our sponsor, Persistence Culture, as always backing us, and also Big Dogs Only. Um, Ladies and gentlemen, Mr. David Biggs. Every time we start, we always uh, end up going with like... Know, just talking beforehand i think the biggest thing that i want to ask is why hold on, how old are you uh 24 and how long has your gym been open
1: uh three and a half years now
0: so you opened it at 21
1: uh yeah 20 i was like well i started the process at 19 we opened at like 20 and a half
0: bro at 19 you had the balls to open up a fucking gym
1: yeah it's <laughs> crazy that was nuts
0: no pun intended it
2: was <laughs> yeah <laughs> <laughs>
0: Ooh, what's up, everybody? This is Big Pep, and welcome to another episode of Pep Talk. You got myself, Big Pep. You have my co-host, the star, Mr. Juan (laughs) Ramirez. Hello. Juan, we're back at it.
2: We are, finally.
0: How's everything going?
2: It's good. How you doing?
0: I can't complain, man. I think uh, we took took a little bit of a hiatus. We took a month off. Everyone heard the last episode how your life and my life has been all over the place. Mm -hmm. And now we're back at it. This is number... What, number three podcast in three days? Yeah. Um, I'm excited.
2: Yeah, I'm excited. Who we got today?
0: Today, everybody, please welcome the owner, House of Gains, uh, young entrepreneur, the stellar Mr. David Biggs.
1: What up, what up? Pleasure to be here. Three podcasts in three days. You guys are rocking.
0: Hey, man, what happens is, that I'm sure you can attest to it, is if we could do, oh, by the way, I didn't tell you ahead of time. He likes to come in the mix, and no, you're good.
2: Yeah. He's actually going to sit up here.
1: He'll
0: sit up here as he goes. Oh, there, there he goes. There he goes. Yeah, I'm gonna kick it. I'm gonna there kick you it. Go. You know, it's funny. Uh, what we were talking about is three podcasts in three days, but it's because if our, if our schedules work out, yeah. You know what I'm saying? So on the last the last podcast, Juan and me were talking about how you know we weren't able to do a pod in about a month because. I was traveling all over the United States. Juan was busy working on this new merch line. And then it just so happened that the other day we're like, dude, we can knock out a pod, a web series, another pod, another pod. And it worked out. I'm sure you being a a, a gym owner and also just like a full on entrepreneur, your schedules are fucking nuts.
1: Yeah. Yeah. There'd be sometimes like yesterday we're we're working all day and then it's think like I got to go home. I have a coach's meeting. I got nine client meetings back to back. Some clients cancel. They switch schedules. And so it can be like that for yeah. sure. So for
0: the people who don't who don't know who you are, and matter of fact, I'm even going to bring it up as well. I knew of you, I would say like two a year and a half ago, and I just knew there's this kid who opened up a gym. Yeah. Uh, little did I know that you were, I'm sorry that a, just a, a guy opened up a gym. I didn't know you were a kid at the time. Yeah. And then second off, when I first heard House of Gaines, I was like. I don't know. A little, I, a, little, a little cringy. It was a little cringy because yeah. I, I was like, I was like, it's very just like to the point, you know? But, I mean, you've built a fucking empire. You know, off the camera, we were talking about how you've created not just a gym, but your own world. Mm-hmm. You create content. You're a motivational person. Um, but give us a backstory. Give us a... Where are you from? You know, how'd you get into this business? All that good stuff.
1: Yeah, I'll try to break it down quick. So uh, born and raised in Wyoming. Well, Oxnard, basically. We mm-hmm. went to school in Oxnard. So, um, yeah, I grew up and then uh, my parents were always, like, uh, very big into school. Like, my mom worked in the city. My dad worked in the city. And then, but my uh, my mom's parents, and even my, some of my dad's parents, too, were entrepreneurs, so business owners, like my grandpa owned liquor stores and and other appliance uh, businesses and stuff like that. So growing up, like there was always an influence of like wanting to be a small business owner or being a on- entrepreneur. And so, uh, yeah, my parents always pushed me to like do really good in school, like go to school, pick out what school you want to go to, um, like the average college shit. So like go do a college tour, go look at schools you want, apply to them. When you get in, you kind of can pick from what schools yeah. you want. Um, and then the tables turn, I got a full ride scholarship, um, to CSUCI to Cal Channel Islands for business. So there's only one out of eight, eight thousand students who get that every year. Oh, wow. So yeah. So like with that came like a lot of responsibilities, you have to keep a 4.0. So like basically like, 100% straight A's. Um, I have to like go to all, like I go to the president's house, do all speeches for their donors, like all that type of stuff. So, um, I got really comfortable being in like a more like uh, pressure setting at like 18 years old. Um, but either way, so I was in school, but I always had this feeling like school just wasn't for me. Really? Like, even though I did good in school, I think school is just like a lot of just following directions and which I, I there's no, it's not that hard to follow directions. So, um, went through school and then like around my sophomore year, I started really heavy getting into, uh, Andy Frizzella. So if you don't know Andy Frizzella, he owns first form and a bunch of other companies now. And, uh, in high school, I was like really into his, uh, into an entrepreneurship group Um, which Andy was in and I like latched onto him. Like some people love David Goggins. Some people love like Nick bear and like, those are all really cool dudes. But Andy was like my, like, he was the dude who kind of kept me on straight. And uh, I listened to an episode one day on the way to school, my sophomore year in college. And he basically was just like, dude, whatever the fuck you want to do, like reevaluate your shit and like go after what you really want to do. And so I was like, damn, like, I really don't want to be in school. Like, this is terrible. But of course my parents are like, you have a full ride scholarship. Like you would be dumb to like drop out of school. So I was like, well, like, let's be reasonable. You're probably right. Um, and so I was like, well, I told him, like, I want to I take school off. I want to open a business. And my mom, even though her father was an entrepreneur, she was like, you're crazy. Like, and basically, she hates when I tell the story because she thinks she didn't say this. But my dad and my wife, <laughs> my wife can attest to it. She basically was like, um, if you open a business and you stop school, like, get out. Like, I'm basically kicking out the house. We're sure. not going to help you anymore. So I was, like, and then my dad was more, like, well, I don't agree with this, but if you come up with a business plan, like, you know, show us that you're ready, and, like, we'll basically allow you to, like, stay at the house. And, like, I think that they were, like, ah, this kid's, like, really not going to do that. And you were 18. I was uh, 18 or 19. I don't know. I was a manager in retail at the outlets at the time, so I had to be at least 18. Okay. So, um, yeah, so I came up with a business plan. Um, with a little bit of help my dad, he like kind of helped me through, like, I didn't know how to use Excel. So like, he kind of helped me make it. I was like, dude, I don't know how to make a business plan, but I know what the fuck I want to do. So he helped me a little bit with that. And my mom was like, Oh shit, like he's about it. And so like, as the months went along and it took a year to get all the expenses down to like, find out where we're going to have a business at. Um, she was like, damn, like this kid's like really about it
0: during this time where you kicked out or are you still living? In the no, house? I was still living in the oh, house because okay, okay. well, I was still in school. Okay. And so at
1: that time, like my parents really, re- like, they did not think I was going to take it that serious. So I actually went to the president of the college and I was like, Hey, like, I know I'm like the only kid who has this and it's a pretty like prestigious thing. Like, would it be cool if I took a year off of school? And they were like, uh, no, like you couldn't do that. And you know, obviously being a business owner, you're like, well, I'm going to become resourceful. And so I went back, I looked at my entire contract. And it was like, oh, there's like medical leave here for a year. I'm like, that's crazy. Like, I got to leave for medical leave for a year. (laughs) So, like, after that, every, it's called a President Scholar. After that, every year, they got rid of that in the contract. So, that people couldn't take a year off. No way. So, um, but being 19, not really know what I was doing. I took a year off of school way too early, like. As a business owner, I was like, "Oh, I'm take a year off. Six months in, open the business. Come back to school. Six months later, it took me fucking like two years to get it going. So I didn't know that. Um, Yeah. So fast forward, took a year off, and then uh, there's a lot of in between details that we're leaving out uh, for sake of time. Got all the business plan together. Took almost eight months to get the lease negotiated because they didn't want to negotiate with me. Yeah. Because I was 19. So at the time, like literally, it was I would send an email. They were like, oh, like this gentleman thinks that he wants to open a business. This is cool. And then I went to go look at the spot. And then the guys, the realtors are like, they didn't realize that in writing I sounded older. And when they met me, like, what the fuck? Like This kid's 19. Yeah. So then I sent him an email back after we met. And I'm like, hey, appreciate the visit. Like, uh, can you send me your lease so we can kind of go through like red line negotiations? And they were like, no. And I'm like, what do you mean? Like, we just had a good meeting, you know, this and that. Because they were cool in, in person. And they were like, oh, I want to talk to your parents. And I'm like, yeah, but my parents started moving the business. Like, it's yeah. me. They are like, yeah, but you're 19. Like, what's your financial backing, this and that. So basically, like, what I would do is I would write emails, and I would give them to my dad. and be like, all right, send this to him. And yeah. then they'd come back. And my dad's like, how do you want to respond? So I'd respond. So basically, I would, like, go through him to get to them for mm-hmm. whatever reason they wanted to hear from him. So.
0: How, during that time, I mean, you were 19. Like, did you have, like, a crazy credit score? Or how was it that you were able to pull out such a, big loan uh, in order to open up a business?
1: So, that, that's a good question. So, obviously, I had, n- like, no financial backing, basically. Well, I had, like, a savings that I had been saving up for, like, whatever, since I was, like, 12. But it definitely wasn't enough. So, and I knew that I would have to finance... To get the equipment. For sure. So that at that point, that's where I was able to, my dad already had established a good relationship with a small community bank. And they're a lot more willing to work with small business owners than like, if you go to Wells Fargo or whatever. True. So they're like, all right, cool. If you, you could just get your parents to co-sign with you. And the cool thing is, is that unlike a regular traditional loan, you can, for equipment, you can use collateral from what you're buying to to, to get the loan. So basically, Magic. they were like, "All right, we have to have a parent cosign, and then we need to collateralize collateralize your equipment that you're going to purchase. And then, so if you go bankrupt, not only you you know is your family liable, but in reality, we can take all your equipment from stuff, you. Yeah. So like, I thought it was cool. I was like, "Oh shit, I don't have to put like any like valuables up. Like, yeah, you can take my equipment. Like, if I go under, like I'm going to be gone anyway. Exactly. Mm-hmm. So uh, we just did it like that. We got a little creative, and so we were able to use that as the collateral. So. Um, that's basically how it was. So you basically have to have a co-signer. If you're that young, you have to have a co-signer. Now I can walk into like an establishment and be able to like finance something sure. that I want. Cause if track record.
0: So you, you decide to right, And that, and that is a, a, a a story really just like cut very small because I mean, yeah. there, there's so many parts to it, but yeah. so you, you get to the point where you're like, all right, I have the, I have the loan. I have the credit. You have the backing. Now, when, during this journey, did you say, all right, I want to start a business, but it, you wanted it to be a gym or did you want something else?
1: No, it was, it was in one of Andy's things, he was like you, and I just mentioned this in our podcast with my wife is if you're going to open a business, it should be two things. If you're, if you want to be successful, it's either one, you have to be extremely passionate about it because that's going to overlay to your customers. Mm-hmm. So they're going to, they're going to understand that. Or the flip side, you have to, uh, What's up, dude? Um, you have <laughs> to, uh, basically have zero vested interest in the business. So the example I use, like a dude, like, I don't know, like a quarter cleaning company where I clean quarters and pennies and nickels, that's something that I have no interest in. So it's a lot easier to make decisions because I have no vested interest.
0: But th- but if it was something like that, then you would be like a private investor. Exactly. Okay.
1: So um, the other flip side was like, you need to be something you're very passionate about. And at that time, like... It was fitness. I mean, it still is fitness, but I was, like, really heavy into the gym. Like, me and my wife were the only people that would, like, record. Like, before that was, like, before tripods were in the gym, before people yeah. would record. And so I was like, dude, like, this is something that I'm super passionate about. And then, of course, you have to look around and be like, well, what niche, like, what hole in the market is there, like, value missing in? And I was at 24, and it was, a, like, a terrible experience. Yeah. So we're like, we need a more serious, higher quality facility where people are not afraid to film. You don't have to worry about dudes like being out, like old guys being weird because they were weird with my wife. So we're like, let's create a more like serious environment. So that's kind of how it came up. I was like, I love fitness. There's one thing I want to do every day. It should probably be a gym. And I didn't want to do one-on-one training. I hate one-on-one training like in person. I hate in-person training. So (laughs) I was like, I'm not gonna be a personal trainer. Like I'd rather just open a cool gym. I dig it.
0: Um, so when when everything was like all right i got the I got the contract, we're in, we have the gym, I noticed I went through your your instagram and and mm-hmm. you literally one thing that I really you know salute you on is the fact that you recorded everything from mm-hmm. the beginning to the end from like the first time you you broke ground um how long did it take you to finally i guess two part question how long did it take you to to finally get the gym the way you wanted and then two was The number that you originally thought on how much it was going to cost, how much over
1: was it? So we actually, so we actually, I underestimated. So, um, well, no, I overestimated. So one thing, like, my dad working in the city is like with budgets, he told me like whatever your business plan is, always put a twenty percent contingency on top sure. of that. Always. And as a kid, like I didn't know what the fuck that meant. So him teaching me that was really important. So what I thought was gonna cost uh, like two hundred and fifty thousand, so like whatever it was, or three hundred thousand, so two hundred and twenty-five to two hundred and fifty thousand for equipment and then additional fifty thousand for costs. Um, he was like dude put a 20 percent on top of that. So I overestimated I was like, okay, it's probably gonna be like 350,000 325,000 and we ended up coming in way under because we did most of the work ourselves. Yeah. So like we have there's a lot of videos that haven't posted that I have like my mom's posted them on her Facebook of like me and uh, some of our friends like scrubbing the floors, we sealed all the floors, we did everything ourselves, like we've built all the platforms ourselves. He likes me, that's cool. He does. <laughs> um, so we built the platforms ourselves. My uncle came down, he helped me because he's a painter. We painted the whole gym, we did all the bathrooms ourselves. So, like, we probably saved anywhere between 50 to 75,000 in, in labor yeah. costs. Jeez. So, and that's the part about being an entrepreneur it's like, dude, like, I can't be like, hey, mom, can I have fifty thousand dollars? Like, you're gonna have to put in work. And my mom and my dad, dude, they helped me paint, they helped me do the floorboards. Like, they were all about it once they saw that I was about it. And so they helped out. Like my mom's at the gym right now, so like she's there working the front desk for us. No way. So wow. yeah, they, she loves to help out like whenever she gets a chance. So uh, it's there's a lot of uh, elbow grease that you can save a crap ton of money if you do it yourself.
0: Um, biggest. I was in. A, it's it's a very broad question, but <laughs> I mean, from when you opened it to now, what's like the number one uh, takeaway that you that you have? Like the one like number one
1: lesson that you've learned. Um, is uh, uh probably probably learn, learn as much as possible. So like, that's broad. I like that statement because you can learn from your customers. You can learn from other entrepreneurs. Um, But I think the biggest thing is learning from your customers. So like the biggest thing is that there's a lot of things that, and this is something me and my mentor talk about that I've helped him in his business, which is a lot of times what you want is not what your customers want. So like we have a lot of power lifters and like right now they're like on a huge carpet binge. They have to have carpets to deadlift. Like, because they use carpets in competition. Gotcha. And so to me, I'm like, homie, they've been powerlifting for 25, 30 years without carpets. But, like, you really don't need a carpet. Yeah. But these guys, like, I had one kid come in with a 12-foot carpet the other day and and used it. Like, (laughs) if these kids are that serious that they're going to go to Home Depot, go get a carpet, come bring it into the gym, and use it, I'm like, that's something that I should provide for them. So what I want is not what, like, what they would want necessarily. So that's a big thing is you just got to learn because your customers will tell you exactly what they want.
0: What about the... What about, like, the payroll side and all that? Like, did you have – did you understand that going into it as well?
1: Um, I knew that. So that's another thing that we underestimated on. Like, one thing that we we set on is, like, be very conservative with the numbers of members you have. So whatever you think you're going to have, like, let's just say the first month you think you're going to have 50 members, say that you're going to have 25. Because if you overshoot that, then you're in a good financial position. If you are way, like, oh, I'm going to have 100 members, and you end up with 20, you're fucked. So that's one thing that we did was, like – I knew that we weren't going to break even in terms of numbers until two and a half years in. Gotcha. I was like, I know that we won't make money until two and a half years in. Fast forward five months, we like tripled what we thought we were going to do. So we thought like in five years we were going to have in our five-year lease term, I was like, dude, if we have 450 members, we will be solid. Like if we have in five years, if we can accumulate that, we're like, what, two and a half? I mean, three years in, three and a half, we have like 800. No way. So yeah, we're like way past the national average in like members per square foot, dollars per square foot, that type of stuff.
0: You know, I, I just realized four years ago
1: you opened it. That means that you were in the midst of COVID. That was uh that was uh depending on how you look at it, it was a fun, it was a shitty time. It was like, it was everything. We could write a whole book on that. Dude. So,
0: so let's, let's get into it real quick because since it's privately owned, yes, were you able to keep it open? Uh, Technically No. So like, but at the end of the day, everyone had like their secret ways of getting, I mean, it's not just your business, but we've had multiple people who came in, whether it's, uh, who else was, did they?
2: um, he owns that open gym. The one that was the one that had the, the big open at the top. Oh, and Jared then, Wilson. Yeah. 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 He
0: did the same thing. Like everyone had like, you know, secret workouts or private workouts. Or yeah. Something like how, how did that
1: work out with you with, uh, with COVID? Like, were you able to keep it open or not? Or was, so we basically opened four months before COVID, and wow. so at that point we were still like negative in rent, so we had to pull a line of credit to help me backfill my rent because I couldn't afford the rent yet. Yeah. Which I expected. Um, and then COVID happened, and like, dude, when COVID started, like, we were all like, bro, we just gonna drop dead. Like, really, yeah. no one. When it first started, no one knew what was gonna happen. Yeah. So we closed down, and then after about a month and a half, I got forced into a corner, which like I'm sure hundreds of thousands of businesses were, which are like, dude, I just opened this business, I have no money. Like, it's either like go open or you fold. Like, yeah. that's it. And I had a loan, and I'm like, dude, like, I know I would rather fold on a loan when I'm 20 than fold on a loan when I'm 50 because it's going to affect my credit earlier. But uh, I was like, I'm not going to fold. Like, that's just not going to happen. So we sat down, we looked at the numbers, and we are like, dude, this shit is, like, not as bad as what we think it is. And so, and there was a lot of people who were like, dude, just, like, we're just open. Just, like, I need a gym to go work out. But I literally had veterans that were calling me. Like, we have people who told us, like, dude, if, if I don't work out, like, I'm going to kill myself. Sure. Like, oh. And they were serious. like we, And that was a burden that we had to take on. Which was like, dude, if we don't open this business, we're gonna have members that like may commit suicide, things like that. And so um it was a crazy story. So we we turned into a twenty four hour facility because before COVID, we weren't twenty four hours. So we became a twenty four hour facility. I called up our police chief, which he's a piece of shit, and I hope he sees this and he knows this. <laughs> I, I I filed a lawsuit against him because he's a piece of shit, um, and I, I don't care about him I, hearing this or whatever. And. At the time, he was a good dude, and he was like, you know, Dave, if you're going to be a 24-hour facility that's going to lay out, like, less people, it's not going to be as packed, like, um, we understand you're, like, the only gym in Wainimi, like, you know, go ahead and open, and I got your back, like, and at that time, it was like, all right, cool, like, I got a verbal confirmation from the police chief that, like, nothing's going to happen, so we opened up the next day, and of course, it was technically earlier than Gavin Newsom's, you know, bullshit plans, so we opened up, and then next day, he calls, like, you got to shut down, I'm like, you just told me I can open, he was like, "Yeah, dog, just gotta do my job, bro. Here's a cease and desist order," and I was like, "Fuck you, dude. I'm like, you like showed your true colors." Yeah. So at that point, it was like, you know what, dude, like it's on. Like I'm not gonna do this shit. So um, we stayed open. It was us, BSF, and then like one other gym, I think, and they were like super low key. And dude, we were got. You, were you guys getting excited? Dude, we had. I have videos of the amount of times that police officers came in. They and this is like no joke. They sent personal investigators from the city and from the county and from the DA's office. So three different personal investigators followed me and my wife around everywhere we went and took pictures of us. They would sit in the parking lot like I don't know, 3 or 4 blocks over or 3 or 4 stores over with a huge camera and take pictures of us coming in and out of our business. They would follow us places, they would follow us home like they were like in their police and their uh, city cars and they basically were building like a 100-page document to sue us. So they were like they were building this like for, for, for having a
0: gym open. For having a gym open,
1: like, during the most important time to be healthy, yeah. right? So, um, and then we got our lawsuit from the county. We got all the and stores from the sheriff's and then from the city. Um, and so, that's when we tarped up our windows, and we are like, all right, well, let's just tarp our windows up. And then after, like, about a month or two, we were like, you know what, dude? Like, I am a very big believer in standing for good values, and I'm like, dude, I think that this is the right thing to do. So, I'm like, fuck it. So, I took all the windows down, and I was like, dude, if I opened up the... And the sheriffs would come, like, dude, come work out, bro. Like, you know where I'm at. If yeah. you want to sue me, you know where I stand. So we were getting fined. It was like twenty seven fifty or three thousand dollars a day to stay open. So that was wow. our fine. It was three k a day, and so we stayed open for whatever it was, eight months. Oh, and so holy shit. and so, so, so what's that?
0: Almost, that's a quarter of a million dollars. Yeah. yeah. yeah and yeah. so,
1: like, I hired. Uh, it's funny enough, my lawyer was actually uh, she's a powerlifter, and she's oh. like in her in her late thirties, and uh, we actually got into arguments. Because she was like, dude, you're going to get a permanent injunction, which means that even past COVID, I'm never allowed to open a business again. Like, I could have a permanent injunction, like, basically, almost like a felony, basically, for a business. So I was like, I don't really care. And then she was like, well, I don't think that you should stay open. And I'm like, dude, you're my lawyer trying to fight this. Like, what do you mean? And she was like, well, you guys need to go outside. And I'm like, I'm not going to move my gym outside. And then she's like, well, you need to force people to wear masks. I'm like, I'm not going to force people to wear masks. And so she was like, Well, I disagree with you. I'm like, well, you're either gonna represent me or I'm gonna drop you. And so she represented us. And the court was like, All right, well, then we are gonna file a permanent injunction. You have to pay all these fines. I'm like, nope. And they were like, Well, what are you gonna do? I'm like, I'm not gonna do any of that. Like, you guys can fuck off. I'm gonna go run my business. And they would send people out, like a checklist, like, oh, you guys don't have masks. I'm like, nope. You guys don't require vaccines. I'm like, nope, you guys don't have six foot tape. I'm like, nope. And then the lady at the county was like, You're not gonna do anything, huh? I'm like, nope. I'm like, she's like, Well, I'm wasting my time here. I'm like, Yeah, you probably should leave. And then like, these are like, dude, you can ask my wife. These are real conversations we had. And then, uh, dude, sure enough, our day was March 17th, which is funny. Cause that's one year from when COVID started. Okay, March 17th was the day that we were supposed to get a permanent injunction and they were going to force close our business. Basically they did it to a couple of gyms in New Jersey, come with a the lock. They locked yeah. your door and you're never allowed to do it again. Um, and I'm like, I don't give a fuck. I'm like I'm staying open. Sure enough, March, March 16th came the day before and they dropped everything we won. I'm like because if you look in the legal stature, they are legally not allowed to do any of that under a under a use of emergency, which Gavin Newsom. I'm like, yeah, but a use of emergency is not legal. Like you can't do any of this. So I didn't pay any fines. It's just like my lawyer fees, but I didn't pay any fines. They never got shot down. Nothing.
0: Does all this? I guess expunge? Is it expunged? Like is it like is it off your record? Is it?
1: Uh, no, I still have the lawsuit on my record technically. Like yeah. I technically have been in a civil lawsuit. Um, but like if anyone was like, I actually see as a plus yeah, is that if someone's like, if I ever go for an interview or something, they're like, dude, what's this lawsuit? i am be like, look, dog, I'm down to fight. Like I'll, if I, if I fuck with you, I'm going to fight for your business. And you can see that in my lawsuit that I'll fight for what I think is right. Yeah. Wow. And, and due to the and by staying open it you know, quadrupled, actually 600% supercharged our business. Wow. So. That was, uh, you know, good things happen to good people. You fight for the right things, and it happens.
0: Yeah. So that's a. a, I had no idea. That's the craziest. That's one of the craziest stories I've heard for COVID because, you know, a lot of people, and you can't knock them. A lot of people, it, 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 they get nervous to go up against the law. Mm -hmm. I mean, at the end of the day, majority of the time. Law always wins. Yeah, you know? it's scary so, thing to do. Yeah, it's a scary thing to do. So kudos to you. Yeah, I mean, my my
1: wife was scared. Dude. We used to get called. We get used to get death threats, and people would like leave us voicemails, and they'd be like, "Dude, we're gonna come kill you." Like, if you guys don't close your business down, like people would leave us voicemails. They would follow us. Like, dude, they would come outside, take pictures, follow us wherever we go. Like regular civilians, like people. Jeez. And so my wife was like a little wigged out. She's like, "I don't really want to be here because people will call us and like leave us death threats and stuff." And I'd be like, "Dude, you gotta do what's right." Yeah. So um, it is what it is. This sounds like
0: a great book.
1: Yeah, yeah, Yeah. we've talked about that, like possibly doing a book, like talking about our stories. So that was wild. So now we got
0: that incredible story, right? The COVID story, how pretty much you stood for what you thought was right and and you won. You had uh, your members in there. I mean, people got to work out. People got to feel good. People got to uh, feel normal for a while. Mm -hmm. Um, Health is wealth. I mean, the fact that like, I mean, I could attest to it and I'm like proud of what you did because- me having my gym here, I mean, I had a plethora of people coming during COVID. Yeah. Plethora, plethora. And it's like, what am I going to say? No. Yeah. At the end of the day, it's like, man, like, if it, if you got it, you got it. I mean, I don't know, whatever, you know, at the end of the day, you still got to, people still got to work out. Yeah. Now, I don't know what's worse, getting sick for 14 days or, or getting, getting fat.
1: And I mean, the one diabetes and, you know, yeah. whatever, you know, whatever
0: the case is. Yeah. But no here, no here, no there. Um. House of Gaines, mm-hmm. where did that name come from?
1: You know what? I I, I give credit to uh, Robert Frank. He's that dude. He was, like, real popular because he would sit in his car, like, the windows tinted, and he would, like, scream at the camera. Oh, okay. Like, yeah, he was a super yeah. funny guy. He's still kind of popular on Instagram, but uh, he said that one time, like, the glorious gains or something like that, and I think it just stuck with me, and then a couple years later when we went to open the business... We sat down. I was like, I just, I can't get House of Gaines out of my head. <laughs> like we tried coming up with like, I don't know, Iron Asylum and like a bunch of other things. And I was like, dude, like, I just, I think that House of Gaines is right. And so, uh, yeah, I hit up a logo designer and he made it. And I'm like, I fuck with that. That's dope. And then as soon as I saw the logo, I'm like, all right, we're going to run with that. So
0: it's, it's, it's the House of gains And then what's in the middle of it?
1: Uh, so it's the house, and then on both sides is the bicep flexing. Gosh, so was. we use that on the gym, like on the actual front of the business, the building. But we don't, we don't usually use that for a lot of artwork, yeah. unless it's like a like a uh, like a two year anniversary, three year anniversary. That's when we use it. We usually use other alternate logos.
0: So what I love about your gym, mind you, I haven't been there, but I feel like I have just because I've seen it all over social media, and and it's very. It's very um, unique, especially here in Ventura County, because when you go up to like, you know, L.A., you have underground, you have or underdog, you have uh, what's uh, Bradley's gym? Bradley came by like a month ago. Really? Yeah. Yeah. So you like you have all these gyms that promote, like get your content, you Mm know, rock the dope uh, gym wear stuff, you know, just Mm kind of like look fly while you're working out. Yeah. And down here you know, Ventura, you know, kind of Ventura County kind of struggles to like keep up with the times. Really? Yeah. But you and Juan we me were talking about it earlier. You created this world where, you know, they don't have merch designs like you. They don't mm-hmm. have video content like you. They don't have the owner making their own content, doing his own podcast, promoting health and wellness. Um, and I feel like, kind of like you're, you're you're your own artist like you're an artist creating and i, I want and, and juan and me were talking about like the artistry like how did that or actually juan if you wanted to bring it up like how did that come about
2: yeah well one of my favorite things about house of gains is i i know the name i've heard the name mm-hmm. and i've actually seen your merch everywhere around that's Ventura. that's cool but i never knew it was a gym because yeah. you just do so many things that are outside of the world of gym that you could wear normally <laughs> like my favorite one is the Kane shirt
1: Oh, do we just redid that one? Yeah, people love that one. I've seen that
2: so many times and yeah. every time I see it, I'm like, oh, it's a and then I look i'm like, wait house of gains. What is that? Yeah And I had no idea until peb and I started talking about this podcast so, Yeah, so it really just takes like an artistry from you. You're more than just that young entrepreneur that you started as
1: Yeah, yeah, we, we've definitely evolved Um, like, I think in business, it's really important. Like if there's no demand for something then you shouldn't do it so like there. are it wasn't like we never came up with apparel until people started asking for it. Wow. So it was like one of those, like I see a lot of people like they start apparel brands or like um, other things. And it's like, well, no one wants to buy that. Like no one's asking for that. So like until people started really asking for it, I'm like, all right, cool. And then just kind of like our business, we're like, we don't want to, we don't do half ass shit. Like, I mean, how many gyms do you go to? Like, I won't call any of them out, but like, it's just block varsity letters in their name. Yep. You know, like I'm not going to wear that shit. Like I don't want to wear that. So. Um, we got together with my graphic designer, who's my best friend's sister. She's the one who did our mural at the gym. And I was like, dude, I want to come out with some like actual cool shit. So we would just take the logo and we'd spin it off. And then we came up with lift local and lift local actually happened during COVID. Cause a member went to a gym during COVID and was like, he posted on Facebook. He was like, I'm never going to sh- go to a big box gym again. I'm always going to lift local. And then I was like, dude I fuck with that and so we took that and we do we copyright it we copyright it we got it patented so like lift local no is ours. So there's wow. a TM on it so if anybody else like in the fitness world uses lift local like that's ours that's amazing so and and the goal behind that is to create uh, it, it's in the future I don't think we have the demand for it yet our goal with lift local is to create either a nonprofit or a for-profit business that gives back its profits to local gyms so we would collab with someone like a zoo culture or like a local gym yeah. create a design sell the shirt and then give them the profit to help support local Gyms, nice. so that's what Lift Local kind of stands for. And then we just took that. We're like, all right, let's make some cool ass designs with it. So every couple of months, my wife and my uh my wife and I, and then our designer sit down. We're like, all right, like what's hot right now? It's summer. Cool. Let's do a summer job Like when Canes, we did that cane shirt when Raising Canes opened here. Yeah, we're like, dude, we should fucking make a remake of this logo. Like that's dope. So that's yeah. kind of yeah. how we did it.
2: Damn.
0: As as as. Anybody ever hit you with, like, a cease and desist because of, like, the design at all or anything or no? No.
1: Like, that's the one thing that I learned from business school, like, getting a business degree is that I did business law, is that uh, the logo has to be, like, 70% makeup of theirs, which it is. Like, it's almost identical. But you have to be in a competing industry taking business from them. Uh, So, so if you were in the food industry. If if I was making chicken sandwiches, you would be like, yeah, dog. Like, definitely (laughs) would would have an issue. That's So, so funny. Yeah. And then. Another thing
0: about you is, man, you you're not scared to get in front of the camera. Mm-mm. You know, a lot of a lot of owners sometimes like to be behind the scenes, but you are very much all up in the camera. You're you're you have great skits. You're very motivational. Where the, where does that come from?
1: You know, I don't I don't know, dude. I just I even like in school, I was never afraid to like be the first person to do a project or like to give speeches. And then in college, like having to give like I would give speeches in front of like. The top donors like this dude just gave a hundred million dollars at school like these tables of old billionaires like and I would give speeches to them or whatever it might be So I think like through those experiences you build the confidence to do that And then a lot of it's out of necessity I'm like dude like no one's gonna do I need to do this or else my business is gonna fail So I'm like I I need to learn how to how to be comfortable in front of a camera And then I didn't have the money to to pay someone so I bought my own camera learned how to edit learn how to do all my own videos And then um, now we're fortunate enough to have enough revenue to be able to have someone who helps us with that so, and I've slowly, if you notice, I've slowly gotten my wife in front of the camera. Yeah. And then the new girl that we're hiring, she's coming on on Monday. I'm hopefully going to get her on camera as well. So that it's not just me only. I want them to be a part of it. Sure. So,
0: And uh, that's, and that's another thing that I was going to bring up is, I mean, you having your wife, is she, also, is she, is she part owner? No, no so
1: I'm a hundred percent owner. Right. We got married so technically if something were to happen to us, she would take ownership, sure. but I have a hundred percent shares of the but, business. But she's
0: been, like I said, like you don't, there's some owner, there's some, owners that like don't want to put their partners like in the mix. You're you you have her out there. You're you're putting yeah. her out there and I, I I I love that shit because I love like when I get to have the opportunity to like in a sense like show off my wife or like have yeah. her right next to me is it's, it's it's exciting. So like what made you want to bring her in the mix as well and have her like in in the front with you guys with the House of Gains?
1: Well, um I mean you can't run a business without like you have to be able to fill in um your weaknesses. And so one thing that she's really good at is she's extremely creative. So like one of the things it's like we just redid our restrooms. And so, like our restrooms are a lot more. So, like you've probably seen them. Like they have the colored mirrors. Everyone yeah. takes pictures on them now. So, like I was like, hey babe, like we need to improve this type of the business. Like this part of the business. I think we our restrooms are lacking. And she comes and she's like, all right, let's do these light up mirrors. Let's do this paint. Let's do this color piping in the middle of the wall. Let's do this bench where people can sit on, but it has to look certain aesthetic. So that's where she comes in. That's it. So like I'd be like, hey babe, we need to post hours for holiday hours. She'll go and she'll make all kinds of gifts on Canva.com. She'll make gifts and she'll make the posters and she does like that she is really good at that stuff so and then of course like dude the number one complaint we get about our business or the number one reason people don't come at first, is because they think it's intimidating. So I'm like, well, I need to get a female on camera, especially one who is, uh, like, his- Hispanic, Latina, someone that people can relate to, yeah. which she is. And so she, getting her on camera has helped a lot of people, like, feel more comfortable coming into the gym. Nice. And then not only that, like, dude, I want to see my wife grow. I'm, a, I'm really a hard driver. Like, I work, 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 and I need her to come with me. Yeah. I'm like, I can't let you sit back seat. Like, you got to be front seat with me. Like r-. And so I pushed her to grow a little bit.
0: That's dope. Yeah. yeah. I really, it's really, amazing. Yeah. What, uh, what's the, go- what's the, what's the plan now? I mean, now, yeah, now you, what you're going four or five years into it now. hmm You, you're celebrating what, four years? Five uh, years?
1: four, no, we just celebrated three years. Three years? Yeah. So, oh.
0: so are you planning on expanding?
1: Yeah. So that's kind of what we're in the mix for. So like, that's why we're bringing on, uh, uh, like a front desk and then hopefully we can transition her to an operations manager. Okay. Um, so that we can, I have my online coaching business, which I'm a head coach in. So it's a mentor of mine and I'm his head coach. And so my goal is to bring in additional revenue from that to save up so that we can expand to a big business. Oh, excuse me. So instead of having just um, two, I mean, one stream of revenue from the business, we have that stream of revenue plus the coaching business so we can just keep stacking bread. And then nice. because right now, like if you've seen like, If you think the residential market is bad buying a house, the commercial is 10 times worse. I'm sure. So it's really bad. So like what a a building used to be a million five for the size that we need. Now it's four. Like it's like literally to the point where it's like, dude, like it would be irresponsible of me to look at the numbers and be like, ah, my ego is telling me go bigger, go crazier. But then like, well, that's irresponsible. I would end up having to close my business and that's not fair to my members. So I tell my members like, dude, we're just going to keep doing what we do improve on our facility now and then keep stacking bread. And the goal is to expand down the line.
0: Are you guys month to month? Mm-hmm. You guys are right. That we was a, zero contracts. That's what I was going to ask. Uh, I remember. I remember seeing that one time. Why? Why? Why not? At like, uh, I remember. I used to be at twenty four, and, and I was like, sign up for like a like a year membership or some shit like that. Why? Why are you guys month to month?
1: Um, it's a it's a psychological thing. It's a psychological play. Okay. So basically, when you feel like you're not held in, you're going to stay longer. So when you feel like you're in a contract, you build resentment for whatever reason. Uh. And so when you have no resentment, and then also I'm very confident. So we, we offer a money back guarantee. We offer a referral discount, like very confident in our business. So it's funny because everyone, every gym owner who's told me thus far, you're not having contracts. Like I've actually had gym owners tell me like, you're not going to go anywhere with not having contracts. You need to lock people in. I'm like, you're tripping, bro, because you can look at the national average. They have data on this. The national average uh, churn rate, so members that cancel every month, is 15% of your membership. So if you have 1,000 members, you're going to have 15% of your members cancel every month. So 150 people cancel. So you have to try to backfill that. We're at, I think, like 3%. We're like 2.9%. So we're like a, a quarter of what that national average is. So I'm like, you're telling me I have no contract, and homie, we're losing like, maybe 10 members a month maybe so like we're barely losing any of our members because we do things right we treat them right we give back a lot to the community we try to do as much as possible for them and then provide every piece of equipment like in a high quality form that's basically what our membership is so we just give back give back give back give back whatever they want we buy it you want a new bench we get a new bench if you want rugs we get rugs if you want barbells we get barbells whatever you want that's kind of how we think and
0: and then and that doesn't i know like the customer's always right but does that ever bring you down the hole like financially
1: um no because you have to you have to learn how to budget like that's where the business side of things come in is that you have to learn like my wife and i sit down every first of the year we look back at our books from the year before we spend this much on money all right cool so we're allotted twenty five thousand dollars this year for equipment so what we did this year was we actually put we have a close friends group so if you remember like connor is part of our close friends group so he's part of that and we did a poll out of all 600 or 800 people that we have in our close friends group all right, guys. These are the six the six pieces of equipment that we think our facility needs. Tell us what you guys want. All right, cool. We want this, this, and this. All right, cool. That's what we're gonna buy this year. So you guys can't get mad at us when we buy the things that you told us wow. to get. So like, we're giving up them, the, you're
0: giving them the power. Mm-hmm. Yeah,
1: and that's basically kind of like in nowadays, in today's terms, with social media and reviews and text messaging is that like. Before you wouldn't know a business was shitty until you shopped there. Yeah. Nowadays, dude, people will text their friend right away immediately, dude, House of Games is shit. Or they'd be like, dude, House of Games is fucking terrible. Like they'll tell you, is it the shit or is it terrible? They'll, yeah. they'll let their friends know immediately. So you have to be on top of your shit. Other
0: than the House of Games, I also noticed that you just started up a podcast. Yes, my wife well, and I. Yeah, so so what is it called? Explain to us what exactly, if you listen to the podcast, what are you getting out of it?
1: So the, the podcast is called Figuring It Out. So Figuring is spelled with two Gs, like like our last name. Okay. So it's it's basically because my wife and I are 24 years old, um, and we have people that we look up to, like someone like yourself, who's a little bit older than us, yeah. or like Andy Frizzella, like Ed Milet. Like those are the guys that we listen to podcasts, but they're 40, 50, 60 years old. And don't get me wrong, they're billionaires, and so they have very good advice to sure. learn from. But it is in a way, a little bit hard to um, assimilate to where they're at because no matter what, even if they're telling you relevant things, they're farther along than you. So you're always going to feel a little bit of a barrier to like try to understand them. And so we were like, dude, we have so many young members at our facility that we have beautiful conversations with every day on their struggles, our struggles. And like, dude, you guys should make a podcast. And we've waited two years. People have been asking us for two years now until we had, the ability and the time to do it. So now we're like, all right, how do we make a podcast for people our age um, to help them understand how they can provide value to their jobs or uh, provide value in their relationships at a young age?
0: So it's not just, um, uh Like business, Mm -mm. you talk about relationship, you talk about
1: the ups and the downs. Yeah, we basically help like we help like we just did a podcast on motivation, like motivation, discipline, consistency and how we set our goals and attack them at 24 years old. So like because we take the time to sit down every year and decide what our goals are going to be. And then we like step by step how to get there. And so we just talk on the podcast of how we communicate in our relationship, how we set goals in our relationship, how we do these things in our relationship or in business. So the average 20 year old can be like, oh, fuck. Like, they're young as me. Like, I should listen to that because they're as young as I yeah, am. So. That makes
0: sense. Um, when did you start? I noticed it was funny, too, because um, I haven't told anybody this. Nobody. But I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to let you know. When I first found you on Instagram, I was like, all right, this cool, this kid's cool. But I didn't really pay too much about it. And, mm-hmm. then, and then Brandon Belsky was like, yo, you got to meet him. You got to meet him. Yeah. And then it just so happened that New Face at Jiu-Jitsu. We, yeah. go, we go to the same academy at Gracie yeah. Baja Ventura. And... I noticed that a few people were talking to you. I didn't pay any attention. And then, and then one time they're like, I saw somebody rocking the house of game stuff and they're like, yeah, that guy's the owner. And I had no idea you were rolling. Mm-hmm. So when I saw you, I was like, all right, this, you know, I didn't introduce myself right away. I just kind of wanted to like, I like to, I like to really like, yeah. like see like what, what the vibe is, what the mode is. It's I a very good think, characteristic. Yeah, to have. yeah. Yeah. And then I saw he would stay longer than everybody Talk to everybody. Say bye to everybody. Say hi to everybody. And I'm like, yo, this kid's actually, like, you're solid. And then what made it even cooler was, I remember I started I started looking at your page, and you had just started the 75 days hard.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: And I remember you were, like, on day, like, 71, 72, and I was like, this motherfucker is doing it. I was like, <laughs> I'm going to do it. Yeah. So I did it. Oh, I did, I did it because of you. I'm oh, actually, dude, nice, I'm, I'm bro. Actually, I'm actually, what's today's date? Yesterday's it's five months I haven't had a, haven't drank.
1: That's fucking yeah, sick. Yeah, and dude. I and
0: I love my beer. We love Arthur Key, like, but, yeah. I, but I was like, if this kid's doing it and I actually like the motivation, I was like, I'm gonna start doing it. So first off, thanks for, let, thanks for letting That's me awesome. I, I was I followed her journey, I stepped into it and I feel better than ever. And then two why did you do it? And then explain to the listeners exactly what seventy five days hard is.
1: Yeah, so seventy five hard was a program created by Andy. Yeah. So um, my wife and I actually did it when he introduced it. It was before COVID. It was in twenty eighteen. We actually did it or twenty nineteen. The first day he started it. So he actually put made a post one day and was like, uh, "Do you want to learn how to improve your life, improve your disi- your uh, discipline, your grit?" Um, he was like, "And it's free." And, of course, you're like, man, nah, nothing's free. But then when he came out with it, I was like, oh, shit, this is pretty hard. Like, it has to be something. If yeah. this guy's pulling in, you know, whatever, three, four $400 million a year in his one business, like, he probably knows a thing about discipline. So 75 Hard is um, there's five things you have to do every day for 75 days straight. And it's you have to drink a gallon of water. You have to read 10 pages of a self-development book. So not it has to be a nonfiction. Um, you have to do um, uh, two workouts a day. Each, at least for 45 minutes, um, they can't be back to back. And then one of them has to be outside no matter what. So you can't do it under an awning or under, you know, your garage door. It has to be outside. Um, and then you have to, uh, what does it get to drink your water, do your two workouts, read your book, no cheat meals. Yeah, no cheat meals. So basically like you have to pick a diet and stick to it for 75 days. You literally cannot have anything other than that so when we picked our diet you can't have an m&m you can't have you know a tortilla chip outside of your regular diet so you have to be extremely strict and then for a lot of younger people it's you can't drink so literally zero if you have one lick of alcohol bam start over from day one so, um, yeah, that was the 75 days. And so we did it because we were getting ready to open our business. And I was like, dude, I know that it's going to take grit and discipline and all these things to be able to open and start a business from scratch. So I'm like, I'm going to build myself now. So we've done it two times. Um, and we've done some of the other phases as well, but we did, we've done 75 of our two times. So right before we opened the business, then we did it last year. Jeez. So, um, what did you learn from it? Um the number one thing I tell everyone who's done it is um the ability to look back and recall on it during hard times. So like when you're like really struggling whether it's mentally in your family in your business, you can look back and be like dude if I did 75 hard when it was fucking pouring rain outside, I can do this. Yeah. So it's the ability to look back and you built the foundation. That's basically I think the most important part of it. That's amazing. Yeah.
0: I think for me it was uh during the time that I did it, I, I stopped during the holidays. It mm. was it was right 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 before Thanksgiving, probably like a week before. You're I just, savage. My mom was kicking yeah. me
1: out the house because I wasn't going to eat her food. She was Bro, pissed. it was
0: it was it was right after Hawaii. I, we went to go visit my wife and me went to go visit our friend Maui Mark and his wife Summer and their and their kid. And I was like, yeah, I think I'm good. Like I think I'm good with like with with all this shit. Like, I came back tired, came back lethargic, and plus, I was these past eight months were like nuts for me was just like working. And I was like, you know what? I'm just going to focus. I'm just going to focus. I'm yeah. not going to have anything that's going to make me uh, question myself. And I'm going to do the 75 day hard. And I was like, there's, there's no need for me to drink. There's no need for me to eat like shit. There's, I, if I'm going to work out, especially with me traveling, I was like, I'm going to figure out how to work out twice a day, work out in the morning. And then the second time would, would always be, cause I would go to venues. Right? Cause I do security. So mm-hmm. I'd walk outside I'd walk outside. I'd like, right, I'm gonna. Uh, that's my workout. Or if I was home, I'd walk walk the dog forty five minutes. Yeah. And, bro, when I tell you, I think the biggest thing that I learned was, if you have no excuses, and but you have a goal at the end of the tunnel, it's just so much easier to achieve that fucking goal. Yeah, when it's you p- don't create excuses.
1: Exactly. Mm-hmm. You know,
0: like. I remember, I mean, Juan would see me. I would have to I have to get up at I have to get up at three in the morning. Yeah. In order to make in order for me to get to work in LA at eight AM, I would have to wake up at three in the morning to train from three to five to come home to meal prep, get my shit together, go to work, be there on time. Me being on time is always thirty minutes before I clock in. Okay. And I did that and I was like, bro, if I drank the night before there's no fucking way I'd be able to do it. Yeah. Yeah. You know, because then it's just like, not even like, Oh, a hangover, or whatever, but like the excuse, mm-hmm. like there's an excuse, but I would, I would literally, I would come back home and Juan's like, how did you do it? I worked out for four days straight, five days straight. And I'm like, it's not that I, like I didn't enjoy getting up that early. Yeah. I just don't have an excuse not to get yeah, up. Ex-
1: exactly. You know.
0: Yep. So it's the wildest thing. Um, what exactly is the next, I know, take away the gym side. Mm-hmm. Do you want to open up anything, entrepreneur, whether it's uh, your own, like, do you want to open up another business that isn't gym related or do you want everything to be pretty much like fitness oriented?
1: Everything's going to be fitness oriented. Uh, one of the things I've learned from Andy and Ed's group that were it's a very small entrepreneurship group that we're in, um, that we pay a lot of money to be in. And, and one of the things that I've learned from them and then from other guys who like are a million times past yeah. where I'm at um, is just focus on what you're good at and just double down on that. So like, don't, don't go to something else that you, that you're not good at. Cause like, like I said in in earlier in the podcast, which is don't be in the middle of like something you don't have interest in and you're kind of passionate about because that's never going to work out. So I'm just going to stick to the fitness side of things because that's what I'm really passionate about. Um, and then just double down on that. Nice. So like the goal really is to um, keep the business running how it is at the gym, stack bread, and then really help my mentor and my coach basically build our coaching business so we can keep bringing in revenue from there so that we can just keep stacking bread in our per, in our um, our own businesses already.
0: Um, before we end the podcast, we always ask three questions, but more importantly, where can everybody find you at social media wise and then where can everybody find House of Gains?
1: Yeah. So on Instagram, it's just my first and last name. So it's just David and then Fig, F I G G. Um, on YouTube, we're following the Figs, which has our podcast on there. Um, and the podcast is figuring it out on all platforms. Um, and then House of Gains is just on Instagram, which is just House of Gains Gym. So
0: um, I'm just going to ask this question, right? If, why go to your gym versus going to a 24 hour fitness?
1: Um, if you're looking for a more serious environment, a community of people who are also looking to improve um, the seriousness, the quality of their um, their workouts, things like that. If you're looking for, I don't want to say the the Gucci or the Louis of things, but it's a little bit higher. Like it's a higher quality, not a little, it's a lot higher quality. And the biggest thing is if you're looking for a community of people. So I've learned so much from people like dude we just had a girl come in and she was in the military she came in and she fucking put 405 on the bar and just bodied a 405 squat oh. for like a set of three and i was like what the fuck or like we have girls that bench two three plates like it's crazy so you mm. if you want to be around like people talk about this in business but they don't talk about it in fitness which is if you want to be you know the the best person you can be we'll look at the five people around you yeah in fact. yeah i'm like but then why do you still go to that gym then if you're around a bunch of older dudes, you're around a bunch of people who like don't give a fuck or don't take things serious, well, then you're probably not going to be that, that person who takes things serious. True. So you need to put yourself in an environment of other people. I've never been to a gym before where I have someone signing up and I'll fucking have someone come up and shake their hand. I'm like, you don't even know this person. And they'll literally come up to this person that I'm signing up and they'll walk up and be like, hey, dude, my name's Gabe. Just want to say appreciate you for joining the gym. You're joining the family. Like, if you ever need anything, let me know. I'm like, dude, this person hasn't even been in the gym for more than five minutes and he already made a friend. That's that gets crazy. So it's, if it's a, a community. Oh, yeah. A community.
0: Um, three questions. Juan, Juan, ask the first one.
2: Um, going back to eighteen, 19, you're dropping out of college, basically. Mm-hmm. Um, leaving for that year. What piece of advice would you give that version of yourself?
1: Um, damn, that's a hard one. Uh, it would probably be uh, stick to your guns. Like, whatever you – like, stick to your gut. Like, 99.99% of the time, just trust your gut feeling uh, because if you don't trust your gut feeling you're probably going to end up in the wrong place um, and then if you trust your gut feeling then you have no regrets yeah. so you you just get it done I love it yeah
0: um so this is actually going to be an interesting two part question um it's usually asked the person but since you're but since your company or your your product is House of Gains if House of Gains let's just say in 100 years from now 1000 years from now it's it's done right it's done <laughs> but you guys have a tombstone and it says House of Gains was Blank, blank, blank. What three other statements or, or words would you say about House of Gains? House of Gains was... um, Damn.
1: Three words? That's hard.
0: Not even three words. Maybe three statements or something. Because usually I talk... It's usually the person, but that, that goes into my other question.
1: Um, It probably would be um, always showing love. So we're always showing love to our members. So, like, that's our big... Always showing love to our community to our team members, yeah. our, our employees, to always showing love to the members, showing love to our facility by making sure everything is upkept, well-kept. Um, just always showing love, dude. That's the goal.
0: Now, 100 years from now, you know, David Figgs, the husband, the son, the brother, the everything was
1: blank, blank, blank. Uh, I would just put himself. I was just just one word always myself. I never like, dude, I'm, it's one of those things. If you see me on camera when I'm fucking around, like in our videos, like we don't do double takes. Like what you see on our videos, like that's just who I am. I am that guy dude. Like it doesn't matter if, if our gym filled with a bunch of influencers, or it's filled with a, a bunch of intimidating bodybuilders. Like I'm still going to be fucking around and dancing and singing and doing what I want, bro. Yeah. Cause I'm just always myself. And I'm like, dude, if, if that's not uh, if that's not who I am, then I'm probably gonna live a pretty shitty life. I dig it. So Dave,
0: it was a pleasure. Thank always. you for being on the podcast. Yes, sir. Um, you, thank bro. you, my brother. And of course, everybody, <laughs> if you guys are in town locally, stop by house of gains It is in Oxnard, California, uh, specifically more channel. Poor mean, I mean, I um, Everybody, thank you for listening, tuning in, all that stuff. Thank you to our sponsor, Persistence Culture, and of course, link, subscribe, all of that. Tell a friend, Pep Talk. Thank you for the episode. We are out. Peace. I'm
1: here to get one of those soundboards. Things go, bro. Yeah, we
0: got.